الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمد عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاذنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters The noble companion Sayyiduna Abu Dharr al-Ghifari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he relates to us a hadith a narration that he heard directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this hadith is what we know as a hadith Qudsi or a sacred hadith wherein the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam tells us what Allah has revealed to him. And in this hadith Qudsi from Abu Dharr radiallahu anhu, he transmits to us that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that indeed Allah azza wa jal, the exalted and the sublime, has said, Ya ibadi kullukum dal illa man fastahduni ahdikum. Allah says, O oh my servants, all of you are astray except for those I have guided. So seek guidance of me and I shall guide you. Dear brothers and sisters, it is a very basic fundamental fact of our reality that we are in perpetual need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are utterly powerless and we are utterly needy. As Allah tells us in the Quran, Ya ayyuhannas antumul fuqara'u ilallah. O humanity, you are all poor and needy unto Allah. And in this hadith Qudsi, the Prophet wasallam tells us that our Lord says that all of us are dal. We're all lost. We're all astray except those whom Allah guides. Now this dalala, this being astray or being lost can mean a variety of things. There is the dalala of not knowing the truth, to be unaware. There is the dalala of rejecting the truth. And then there is the dalala of knowing the truth but being perplexed about what one should do. And this last one we want to focus on in this khutbah today, inshaAllah. This 
perplexed, this being perplexed about decisions, this hayra, this is what we want to look at today. Allah Ta'ala tells us in another verse about the human reality. He says, وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا Allah has taken you all from the wombs of your mothers, not knowing a thing. That is our reality, dear brothers and sisters. We are weak. We lack foresight. We don't always know what is best for us. And we are in a world where we have to use the means that are available for us while also trusting in Allah Ta'ala and turning to Him for guidance. So we are always needy and we're always in perpetual lack. So we have to ask Allah Ta'ala for guidance in all things. As Muslims, we're not just asking our Creator for guidance in matters related to the hereafter or matters related to the deen. We are also asking Allah Ta'ala for guidance in matters of our livelihood, our life in this world. As Muslims, we should not simply seek Allah's guidance in the big matters, the things we think that are really important. We also seek Allah's guidance in the seemingly small matters. And I say seemingly small matters because how often have we seen in our own lives how the seemingly small things snowball and become big things because we don't always know the outcome of even the very small decisions in our life. Life experience shows us that sometimes those things we consider minor or minuscule often become major things that stay with us for the rest of our life. So we have to seek guidance of all matters, small and large. And in all things, whether they are related to deen or dunya, matters of religion or matters of life in this world. Now this seeking of guidance from Allah Ta'ala has a name and it is called istikhara. It is called istikhara and istikhara comes from the root letters of kha, ya, and ra from the word khair or good. And the alif seen ta in the beginning is for talab, for seeking that thing. So this means that istikhara literally means seeking the better of two choices or seeking the best of something that has presented itself as a possible option. Istikhara is the means given to us by the Prophet for when we have two choices we want to ask Allah to guide us to what is best. We have the hadith of the other companion, Sayyiduna Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He tells us that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa used to teach the companions to make istikhara in all things, just as he used to teach them surahs from the Qur'an. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if any one of you is concerned about a decision he has to make, then let him pray two rak'ahs of nafil, of voluntary, non-obligatory prayer, and then let him say, Allahumma inni astakhiruka bi'ilmika, wa astaqdiruka bi'qudratik, wa as'aluka min fadlika al-azim, 
فإنك تقدر ولا أقدر وتعلم ولا أعلم وأنت علام الغيوب اللهم إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر خير لي في ديني ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري فاقدره لي ويسره لي ثم بارك لي فيه وإن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر شر لي في ديني ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري فاصرفه عني واصرفني عنه واقدر لي الخير حيث كان ثم أرضني به And this is, this is the dua istikhara we receive from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it means, O oh Allah, verily I seek the better of either choice from you by your knowledge. And I seek ability from you by your power. And I ask you from your immense bounty, for indeed you have power and I am powerless. You have knowledge and I know not, and you are the knower of the unseen realities. O oh Allah, if you know that this matter is good for me with regard to my religion, my livelihood, and the end of my affair, then decree it for me, facilitate it for me, and then grant me a blessing in it. And if you know that this matter is not good for me with regard to my religion, my livelihood, and the end of my affair, then turn it away from me and me away from it and decree for me better than it, whatever it may be or whenever it may be and make me content with it. This is the dua of istikhara we have received from the Prophet how to seek guidance in making choices. This hadith tells us that we make istikhara not just for big things but for almost anything we can think of in our life. Because in the hadith of Jabir, the Prophet mentions fil umuri kulliha in all matters and in all affairs. And the ulama tell us that this means it is a general statement but it means something more specific. Because you don't make istikhara about things that are obligatory, things that are wajib. You don't make istikhara about whether you are going to pray your five prayers on time. You don't make istikhara over matters that are haram, whether you should do them or not. You don't make istikhara over things that are disliked. You make istikhara for matters that are allowed or matters that are recommended when there's a decision to be made about which one should be given priority. And this hadith teaches us very clearly that istikhara is for all matters. Fil umuri kulliha, the big decisions and the seemingly small decisions. And this istikhara prayer can be made for a specific matter or it can be made for generally seeking what is best. It was the way of many of the pious Muslims in the past that they would pray istikhara in the beginning of the day, meaning the first voluntary prayer they could make after sunrise, they would make it with the intention of istikhara, with the intention of asking Allah to guide them in general to make the best decisions of that day and to keep them away from the evil of that day. When do you make this dua of istikhara? The hadith tells us. Or in the hadith, the Prophet says, After you pray the two rak'ahs, then you say this dua. So it's not said in the prayer, it is said after the prayer. 
And one of the great Imams, Imam Ibn Abi Jamrah rahimahullah, he says that the wisdom behind putting the salat before the dua is that istikhara is intended to combine the goodness of this world and the goodness in the next. So you have salat and then you have the dua right after it. It is the way of knocking at the door of the king. And there is nothing, he says, more effective than salat because that is the glorification and praise of Allah and expressing your neediness unto Him. Now like other du'as, it is recommended to face the qibla. It is also recommended when you make the du'a of istikhara to begin with praising Allah Ta'ala and sending salat and salams upon the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then to make the istikhara du'a and then close with those things as well. Now, when you make the istikhara, there's a very special ingredient that needs to be there before you do it. Before you make the istikhara, there is something you should do before it. Istikhara will give you the very best answer for your worldly and religious life when it is coupled with another essential sunnah. And that other sunnah is called istishara, which means to seek sound counsel from people who are worthy of being consulted and taking the sound means of assessing the situation at hand. One of our great scholars, Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah, he says that before the istikhara, you should seek the advice of those who are recognized for their knowledge, their wisdom, and their concern. You don't seek advice about your life from people who don't have your best interests at heart. You seek advice and counsel from people who are known for their knowledge, their wisdom, and their concern, their nusr, and desiring good for you. So if, the question is, if you are asking Allah Ta'ala, your Creator for guidance concerning a matter in the dua of istikhara, why are you going to a human being before that and asking for their counsel and advice on the matter? One of our great Imams, Imam Ibn Hajar al-Haytami rahimahullah, he answers this by saying that one of the benefits to seeking counsel from people before the istikhara is to further distance yourself from your own desires and the inclinations of your ego. What that means is you may desire something and you make istikhara and you're not really thinking about the outcome and you go ahead with it. But if you seek counsel from people who are knowledgeable and wise and who have your best interests at heart, they may guide you to the proper course of action or show you where you may be blind and point out areas that you may not have thought of. It is seeking counsel first and then making the istikhara after that. Now, the fact that the istikhara dua was taught like a chapter of the Qur'an teaches us something very important. In the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he says that the Messenger وسلم, would teach this dua of istikhara as he would teach a chapter of the Qur'an. Now, what this means is that he gave a lot of attention to teaching it and making sure that the community would learn the dua. And what this also means is it should be memorized. Now, you memorize something that you're going to read very frequently. If you memorize something and you never read it, you'll quickly forget it. 
But if you memorize something, you use it more frequently, it stays with you. This means that we should understand the meaning of this dua and memorize it. It is one of the things that is within the sunnah of the Prophet to pay enough attention to this dua that we memorize it so we can use it more frequently instead of needing to open up apps on our phone to look for it. Until we memorize it, then that is the way. But ideally we memorize it. And in memorizing it, we also want to look deeper into the meanings of this dua and see what it brings out. In the very beginning, we see in this hadith, the dua of istikhara starts with Allahumma inni astakhiruka bi'ilmik O Allah, I seek the better of either choice from you by your knowledge. So we begin by acknowledging that Allah Ta'ala knows best what is good for us. And we should never assume that we know best what is in our good, our best interest. We should not assume that we know what is in our best interest in this life and in the next. And then you say, And I seek ability from you by your power. And this means one of two things. It means I ask you to give me the ability to do what I'm asking about. Or it can mean, I ask you to decree this for me, so that it is made easy and facilitated. And then you say, And I ask you from your immense bounty. Here we're asking Allah Ta'ala from His generosity. Because Allah Ta'ala does not have to give us anything. So we're acknowledging in this dua that we don't deserve anything. There are no rights that we have on Allah that He has to fulfill. Allah Ta'ala gives out of His generosity. La yajibu That is the belief of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah that there is nothing that Allah Ta'ala has to do. Whatever He gives you of this life and in the next, فَمِنْ فَضْلِهِ is from His virtue, His bounty, His blessings and grace. And whatever we receive of any accountability فَمِنْ عَدْلِهِ That's from His justice. Look at this dua from the Prophet ﷺ and how it teaches us the proper attitude to have when we pray. And compare the attitude implicit in this dua with the arrogant attitude of those who think that Allah owes them something in this life. لَا يَجِبُ عَلَى اللَّهِ شَيْءٍ then the Prophet ﷺ teaches us to say, فَإِنَّكَ تَقْدِرُ وَلَا أَقْدِرُ وَتَعْلَمُ وَلَا أَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ For indeed you have power, and I am powerless. You have knowledge, and I know not, and you are the knower of the unseen realms and realities. Again, here is the acknowledgement of reality. Notice that up until now, we haven't actually requested anything. We're just speaking about the reality of things as they truly are. Acknowledging that all knowledge belongs to Allah. All power belongs to Allah Ta'ala. And we have no share of either. For carrying out things in this world. We need to know, A, what we should be doing. B, what is the best course of action to do that thing. And C, we need the ability to act on that knowledge to take the best course of action. If we have neither knowledge nor power independently, and we don't, 
We have to seek them from Allah Ta'ala. It is at this point that we ask our Lord. After saying this, we say, Allahumma, in kunta ta'lamu anna hadha al-amr khayrun li fi dini wa ma'ashi wa aqibati amri. O Allah, if you know that this matter, and in one narration it says that the person making this dua should name the matter they're praying about. Whether it's in Arabic or English or any other language, this would be saying, for instance, Allahumma in kunta ta'lamu anna hadha al-amr. Oh Allah, if you know that this marrying so-and-so, or taking this or that job, or going to this or that school, or doing this or that thing, making this or that decision, if you know that this thing is good for me with regard to my religion, my livelihood, and the end of my affair, then make it easy. Notice here what we're asking. We are asking Allah Ta'ala that if these things are better for us, if it's good for us with regard to our deen and our livelihood and our the end of our affair. We're not just asking Allah to guide us about matters of dunya or just matters of deen. We're asking about matters of the hereafter as well. amri. So this means that we're asking Allah to guide us here and in matters of deen and dunya and for matters that will be beneficial for us in the hereafter. Because the greatest lesson we can take from this is that every single decision we take in this life, small or large, has everlasting consequences for better or for worse. So we ask Allah to guide us to the best decisions. Now, if that matter is good for our deen, if it is good for our livelihood, our life in the world, and good for our hereafter, then we ask Allah Ta'ala by saying, فَقْدِرْهُ لِي وَيَسِّرْهُ لِي ثُمَّ بَارِكْ لِي فِيهِ then decree it for me, facilitate it for me, and then grant me blessing in it. This means, oh Allah, make that a reality. Make it happen for me, decree it for me, make it easy for me, and give me a, the blessings in it. Because we don't want to be given something we pray about only to be deprived of blessings, only for it to be something that becomes a problem for us. We want to make sure it's the best thing for us and facilitated and a means of blessing. We acknowledge we don't know the outcome of what we're praying about. We're acknowledging that we don't have that knowledge. And then we admit that it might not turn out the way we think it is. We admit that it might not turn out to be as good as we think it is. And then we say, وَإِن كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُ أَنَّ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ شَرٌ لِي فِي دِينِ وَمَعَاشِي وَعَاقِبَةِ أَمْرِي فَاصْرِفْهُ عَنِّي وَاصْرِفْنِي عَنْهُ وَاقْدُرْ لِيَ الْخَيْرَ حَيْثُ كَانَ ثُمَّ أَرْضِنِي بِهِ And if you know that this matter is not good for me in my deen, my livelihood, and the end of my affair, then turn it away from me and turn me away from it and decree for me better than it, wherever it may be, and then make me content with it. This means, O oh Allah, if this thing is bad for my deen, bad for my dunya, and bad for my hereafter, then I ask you to do four things. I ask you to turn it away from me, 
So we're literally asking Allah Ta'ala in this dua to put obstacles between us and that thing. Turn it away from me. And then turn me away from it. Why? If you have the obstacles, what's the point of asking Allah to turn you away from it? Because you may have something in front of you. And there are obstacles between you and that thing, but you're looking ahead. So when the obstacles are there, you still want it. But if you have obstacles, and you're also turned away, you're content with something else. You're no longer craving after that thing. It's no longer occupying your thoughts 24-7. So you're asking Allah to turn it away from you, and to turn you away from it, so that you don't just have the obstacles, you also have the contentment to turn away from it. And then you ask Allah for a third thing. If this thing is worse for me in my deen, my dunya, my hereafter, turn me away from it, it away from me, and decree good for me wherever it may be. Not just where I think it is, wherever it may be. And then lastly, we say, then make me content with it. Make me pleased and content so I will never regret asking about for it when it's granted. And so I'll never be sorry that it happened because I don't know how things are going to turn out even if I'm happy about it and pleased with it in the moment. So all of this is an acknowledgement of our poverty and need. And we see in this powerful dua being detached as much as possible and acknowledging our lack of knowledge and power and our inability to truly know what is best for us unless Allah guides us. And lastly, we learn the virtue of turning to Allah and asking Him to guide us for the best decision, even if we are inclined to that thing already. I want you to just imagine how our lives will be transformed if we collectively understood the power of this dua, and we offered istikhara more often, not just for the big things, but even for the small things. We ask Allah Ta'ala to open our hearts, to always seek guidance, and to trust in His direction, and to make us content with His guidance that He gives us through this dua. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. الحمد لله رب العالمين حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيك ما يحب ربنا ويرضاه والصلاة والسلام الأتمان الأكملان المتلازمان على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد Dear brothers and sisters, we not only want to revive the practice of offering the istikhara prayer and to understand the meaning of its dua but we also want to understand how we interpret the answer of our istikhara. Because this is an area in which there is a great deal of confusion and misunderstanding. After the istikhara, one should suspend their own judgment or inclinations about the particular matter and wait for Allah Ta'ala to, number one, show them a sign and number two make things happen in a way that indicates what to do when a person 
makes istikhara, they may be unsure what to do. And that feeling remains. And for this reason, many of the fuqaha mention that it is advisable to pray it up to seven times, not back to back, but stretched out, asking Allah for guidance about that decision. So once you have made the istikhara, you understand the meaning of this dua, and you are looking for a sign or looking to see how things unfold, how do you interpret the answer? The ulama teach us that if you truly leave the matter to Allah and you ask for His guidance, Allah will make events unfold in the direction that is best for you in this life and the next. If you're making istikhara about marriage, for example, and after your istikhara, you feel better about the prospect of marriage than you did before. And if you find, after the istikhara, doors are opening that were previously shut, and you're finding taysir, facilitation in that matter, these are all signs pointing to, yes, that you should proceed. On the other hand, if you make the istikhara, for marriage, for example, and you find that things are getting more difficult. Doors that might have been opened are now getting closed. Where there was once facilitation, now there's complication. This is all an indication to the answer of no. You have to pay attention to these signs. And when the signs become clear, it is absolutely critical that you trust in Allah Ta'ala's guidance, and that you are pleased with what He has chosen for you. You must beware of making the mistake of seeing clear signs of a no and proceeding with something just because it appeals to your desires. We take the example of marriage. Obviously there is attraction and chemistry, so the nafs is already involved. You have to ignore that side and pay attention to the answer. Don't just listen to your nafs in its own inclination and think that that is the answer. You have to pay attention to what's going on outside as well as inside. And if the answer on the outside is no, you should trust in Allah Ta'ala's decision because you'll never regret that. And do not fall into these misconceptions that many people have regarding the istikhara. For example, the idea that istikhara is only about marriage. It's not just about marriage, it's about anything and everything of concern in this life. Don't fall for the idea that the answer has to come in a dream. You may make the istikhara and not see any dream whatsoever pointing you in the direction. The istikhara, may, the answer may come in a dream, it may not. If it comes in a dream, it comes in a dream, but we don't look for it exclusively in dreams. Likewise, one of the big misconceptions about istikhara is that after it is done, one goes to a page of the Mus'haf and opens it randomly and puts their finger randomly on an ayah. And if the ayah is about Rahmah or Jannah, it's a yes. And if it's about Adab, punishment, it's a no. There's no basis for this. And likewise, a misconception is that a sinful person should have someone else, a pious person, Pray istikhara on their behalf. The istikhara is open to every member of the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu By making the istikhara, by understanding this dua and praying this salat, 
it will be a proof of one's heart being attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Praying istikhara teaches one to trust in Allah ta'ala. It teaches contentment. It teaches the acknowledgement of our reality, of neediness, poverty, and lack of knowledge. Istikhara relieves the soul because you defer those decisions to a higher authority. And not just any higher authority, but the highest authority, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by making this istikhara, you find that it alleviates the anxiety, the analysis paralysis that we get when trying to make decisions and being unsure what to do. And the one who makes istikhara in any matter will never regret as long as they follow the, the adab, the etiquettes of the dua and pays attention to the signs and trust in the guidance of Allah Ta'ala. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us beneficial knowledge and the tawfiq, the success to act upon it in the way that is most beloved to him on the footsteps of his beloved sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And we ask, us, we ask Allah to always make us of those who seek his guidance in all matters large and small, in matters concerning deen, in matters concerning the akhirah, in matters concerning our dunya, so that we meet him, وَهُوَ رَاضٍ عَنَّا and he is pleased with us. Ameen. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد عبدك ورسولك النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا بقدر عظمة ذاتك في كل وقت وحين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقوموا إلى صلاتكم يرحمكم الله